Hello and welcome to Bible Marathon. We're all about learning how to read the Bible, about spiritual gifts and giving proper defense and explanation for what we believe as Christians. The goal is to progress with joy in the faith and without further ado, let's get into the word. So today we're going to continue our series on church hurt. So um, ever since we started this month, we've been treating the topic Dear Church. And our goal was to address um, the different, address church hurt. So people have experienced church hurt in different ways, right? And the first Sunday, we talked about how we experienced church hurt. Last week, we spoke about how, about different ways that we might have contributed to other people, other people's experience of church hurt, right? And um, before we go into today's um, today's teaching or discussion, discussion is a better word. Does anybody have anything to say, like, um, about what we've treated so far in the month? Maybe um, how it impacted you or... You know anything about the first two, the first two um discussions this month? Okay, you say you text. All right, I'm waiting for it. While we're waiting for more, does anybody have any other thing to something to share concerning how these last two weeks have you know impacted them? Like maybe it made you realize something that you were doing that you shouldn't be doing, or it made you realize how that you've been hurt somewhere. You know, anything, let, let me hear. So, can I hear? Yes, I can hear you, goodness. Good good day, everyone. So, for me, right, I was at the first meeting. They were talking about if you've been heard before. And prior to that meeting, I didn't really know that there were some things that we did not consider church hearts, or they're actually church hearts. That's something I took out from that meeting, right? And then I was not, like, I was not... I, I did not join the last week meeting, but I listened to the recording and it was it was eye-opening because you know it's one thing to pour out your heart that oh they've hurt me here, they, they've done this to me, they've done that to me. Then P now asked, what have you done to other people, right? That would that you consider church hurt. And so I didn't even mm-hmm. like the examples they were giving, they were really like, you know, I was like, wow. So like this is. It's like that's that session where you are vulnerable. Like, okay, yeah, some people have hurt me, but me, so what have I done to offend other people? Right. And there was mm-hmm. something you pointed out that last week. You were talking about how that, you know, what you like talking about other people, right? Somebody will confide in you, say something, tell you something in like say in confidence. Then you going to yeah. have say that to another person. It can is is really church hurts. They are not. Uh, they give you so they tell you some kind of sensitive information. You going somewhere else, go and just open your mouth and then talk because you don't know where the where that can go. You understand? Like, yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. That's, that's, that's All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, goodness for your contribution. Mo said. Um, I think this is what she learned so far. Like, don't take this things to heart and initiate relationships. So I think this is referring to the first Sunday where we talked about where um we mentioned where some of the examples given about how people were hurt in church is because like uh, people didn't reach out to them. They felt left out in the church and they felt they felt left out in the church, right? So if you find yourself in a place where you feel left out, you feel like um you don't feel like part of the community Yes, it's not the best thing, right? But instead of you taking hurt, instead of you leaving just because of that, you can try to initiate it. You can try to initiate the relationship. That thing that you see lacking, you can supply, right? So um, as much as we are in church to receive love, we are also there to give. So if we find anything that is lacking in the body, we should be ready to supply because we are all supplying joints, right? So... Thank you, Mo. Thank you, goodness. We're going to go straight into today's um, discussion. And it's a discussion. It's not a teaching. Um, today, we're going to be looking at First Corinthians. We're going to be reading through First Corinthians 6, right? And let's just give a brief background on why we are discussing First Corinthians 6 today and how 
how is it related to um the theme of this month so you know the book of corinthians was written by apostle paul to the corinthian church for different reasons and one of them was to correct some excesses some bad behavior that the church that, that the uh, members of the church were exhibiting right and there is one of these behaviors of some of these um, um behaviors um, were addressed in this particular chapter that we want to read about how church people treat each other and so we want to read through and discuss them so like i said it's a discussion it's not just me talking talking as much as possible let's try to contribute if you are not in a noisy place you can unmute your mic if you are not in a dark place you can turn on your video i'm in a dark place currently that's why i can't turn on my video right um oh yeah can anybody share screen it would be very helpful i'm i'm on my phone so i can't share my screen anybody more can you help with that or pair of goodness or anybody okay if there's okay more said you try so p if you can give her um access to give make her give her course permission so she can share screen but i'm going to start reading right so i'm going to read say for, um, verse one and two will discuss and then someone else will read verse three and four will discuss and we're going to keep on doing that all right i hope everyone is fine with that model does anyone have any questions or objections is everyone fine you can react if you can't talk now um i'll take it as everyone is fine with that okay so welcome oinda we're about to read um start reading first corinthians 6 so yeah first corinthians 6 verse 1 i'm reading from the new king james version it says there any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will, will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by Utah, so I want to take a a um go at this. Like what was Paul trying to talk about here? Anybody? Um, is anybody saying anything? Or should I should I read everything first? Thank you, Mo, for sharing. No one is saying anything now. Which one should I do first? So that which oh, one would be better? No, it's okay if we take it verse by, by verse. That's what you're saying. Yeah. So I was asking so, yeah. that does anyone want to like so I read I already read the first two verses. So like does anybody want to try and just tell us what Paul was trying to talk about, like in these two verses. So I'll re- let me read it again. It says, mm-hmm. "There any of you having a matter against another, go to law before the unrighteous, and not before saints. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters?" Uh, I, I think that what he's just trying to say is that, you know, when you have matters with your fellow brother like your fellow believer, that don't be in a hurry to take it like from the church, you understand? That mm. first of all, you have to settle it. It's just like, you know, having issues with your sibling. I can buy your... Mm. You will not just call, you will not run, say, let's go and call somebody from the next side that is just living your next street. Now let him come and judge our matter. And you people will try to settle it between yourself before you even is when the internal settlements does not work that you should take it to you know that you can involve other boss. It's best to settle it inside. Okay, thank you. Thank you, God. Um goodness for that contribution. Who else wants to talk say something about these two verses? Anybody? Okay, if nobody's Nobody has anything to add to it. I'm just going to continue. So basically, Paul here was trying to address the issue of people um, people taking themselves to court and not just people like, it wasn't just saying, oh, someone did bad to you. Not just any type of person, right? Believers, you already call yourselves brothers in Christ. You guys are family members, right? And this is something that we've established 
Christian over and over again that once when you became a Christian, you were born into a family. Other Christians are your siblings in Christ, your family in Christ. So Paul was trying to correct that. So apparently the the Corinthian church, the members of the Corinthian church had issues, you know, with one another. And instead of them to try to resolve it, instead of them to try to resolve it within themselves, like as a church, they were taking this matter outside. And I want to assume that what would have been going on, you know, then it was not popular to be Christian. It was not glamorous to be Christian. It was, you, you, there was already a problem with you society, um, socially, if you, I mean, by socially, I mean, there was already that ostracization. Or it's, I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. If you're a Christian, right? People are, people are already looking at you weird. Um, you claim to be like Jesus Christ, so they expect the best behavior from you. And I think that even that even still happens now. When you when you say you're a Christian, automatically people just expect the best behavior from you. So that was probably what was going on. And how uh, I'm trying to imagine how surprised they would be if they see these people who are supposed to be the um the face of morality, the face of you know good behavior. This the face of you know love, how they you know go against each other in the court of law. They they are suing one another because of maybe even seemingly petty things, right? And Paul was not saying in verse two. He says, "Don't you know that the saints will judge the world, and if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters?" And I'm just going to read verse two. He says together. Do you not know that we shall judge angels how much more things that pertain to this life? So I'm just going to go into the whole theological discourse of what did Paul mean by we will judge the world? Is he talking about like now or in the new um 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 the new heaven and earth? Like is that what he's talking about? I'm not going to go into all that, but the point here is there is a standard that is expected of us as Christians that because we because um there's a standard that is expected of us as Christians and that standard is one of like good conduct because for you to be a judge you are someone that is a, you, you you are expected to be someone of high moral standard someone who understands the difference between good and bad and can and should be able to you know administer justice right in love so it was like don't you know that you saints right you are you will judge the world and but if the world is and if the world will be judged by you like are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters so you're judging the world like is it now the small things that happen is it that is it the small things that are happening between you guys um each other that you you can't judge like do you have to you know take your dirty laundry outside for people to see right i already read verse three verse four it says if then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life. Do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? Verse 5 says, I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren, but brother goes to law against brothers and that before unbelievers? So this kind of like just summarizes everything that we've been saying. You guys have issues with each other, right? And you cannot even appoint a you cannot even appoint somebody like within yourself, someone within yourself to you know settle your matter. Instead, what do you do? You go outside to see, you go outside the church to settle settle the matter. And who is even doing the settlement for you? An unbeliever, someone who doesn't profess Christ. And again, let me just bring uh our mind back. No, by unbeliever, um, by church, yeah, I don't mean church building. I don't mean the church walls. Like, you have to be inside a cathedral or a, a building of some sort. I mean church as in the people, people in Christ, people who have been saved. That's what I mean by church. So, Paul was basically saying here that if you want to, if you have any issues among you, you shouldn't take it outside to unbelievers, especially when it's between a, two Christians, when it's between two professing Christians. You should not take it outside. An unbeliever should not be the one to judge you. 
you should be able to settle this issue within yourselves. All right, before I move on, does anyone have any anything to add to to what I said? Anybody? Um, Check the chat. Good. Hi, Victoria. Please, can you check the chat? Okay, okay. I will. Um, what's going on in my phone? Um, okay, you said um, unbelievers are not meant to judge believers because we are meant to be ambassadors of Christ. Exactly. And it says also we will judge the world. We will be kept in leadership after the second coming of Christ. Yes, we will be kept in leadership after the second coming of Christ. That's that's um, true. That's correct. Um, we were so, um, one of the things I think one of the things that we're learning in Hebrews, right? Hebrews two that we read. I think we even gave us an assignment on something related to this. So thank you, mom. So now I'm reading from verse seven. Says now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? And um, let me just let me just say something. I know now what I'm doing now is I'm just um explaining it as it's explained. I'm just trying to explain what was um, written right. Once once we once we go through it, we'll now try to one thing I am. Um, I want us to try to do is as I'm explaining it, as I'm talking about this, as I'm reading through and explaining, I want you to begin to think of how this applies to you now. Maybe think of a scenario where um, you were, maybe you had issues with somebody in church and you know you, you had to take it to court or you had to take it to police station. You may not even be cut cut fancy cut like that police station someone outside like so something that you probably could have settled within yourself but it was someone outside an unbeliever a total unbeliever that had to settle this issue for you so you can just be be thinking of all those kind of um scenarios and because we're going to talk about them later um okay so verse seven let's start again from verse seven now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? Hmm, this is very deep for some people and difficult to accept. Verse says, no, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, um, and continues. But let, let me address seven and eight. So Paul was saying that even though, and it was, it was, it was said, even though you feel cheated, right? Number one is already a is already a minus to you that you go to, you know, you go outside the church. And again, by church, I don't mean a physical building. I mean the people. You know, you go outside, you you reach out to unbelievers to settle your dispute. That's already a minus. And I was saying that even if you feel wronged, even if you feel cheated, why not accept wrong? Why not allow yourself to be cheated than take your issues to unbelievers? Can anybody um try to like just talk about why Paul might be saying that they should rather accept wrong instead of you know, going outside and um, exposing the, their issues to unbelievers. Um, anybody? Are you guys here? Can you still hear me? More, more replied in the chat. He said, "Okay, yes, more. Thank you." He said to protect Christ's reputation. Exactly. Like that's the prime. That is the primary reason to protect Christ's reputation. Like I said earlier, when you are a Christian, if I want to come out as a Christian like this, whether they whether consciously or unconsciously, there is that expectation of high standard of morality associated with you, right? And I mean, they, they, there's a lot of explanation as to why that is, but the fact is, as a Christian, you are not saved by your good works, just like Ephesians to save. But you are saved unto good work. So by default, you are expected to be good. When you say you're a Christian, it means you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is this person that was painted to love the world, that even died for them. Right? So you're supposed to be an 
you're supposed to be an epitome of love, right? So it was like, if your action is going to taint that reputation, why not allow yourself to be cheated instead? Why, why not allow yourself to be cheated? Why not allow yourself to be wronged instead of, you know, trying to seek revenge or trying to seek justice in court and in the process of doing that, you taint the reputation of Christ, right? So just just think about it. And I know this might be uncomfortable for a lot of people, like, oh, why do I have to be the one to suffer? Especially when you're not the one in, you're, you're, you're not the one in the wrong, right? You you feel you're actually cheated, right? You feel very cheated. Why should I be the one to suffer for it? Why should I be the one to bear the brunt for it? But I want to just, just rem- remember that even Jesus thought about this, right? That if, um, so if your brother slaps you on one cheek, you turn the left cheek to him, right? If someone collects a coat from you, your cloak from you, you should give him your coat. Right, and I know that the context in which you have been saying you will be saying that is just to protect. There is a there is a lot more at stake than what you think you lost already, and God is the one who, who God is, God is the um I don't want to say I don't want to use the word revenge is the one who pays everybody ultimately according to the wrong that they've done. Right, so you cannot. Basically, don't don't feel don't feel bad because don't feel bad don't feel don't feel bad because um someone someone did wrong someone someone wronged you and you had to like just swallow your, you had to like swallow everything and say okay I, I I cannot because don't feel wrong because you cannot take revenge on what someone did to you especially when the person is a believer like you. Now, there's a balance to this, right? There's a balance to it. I'm not saying that you should now expose yourself to to um, people just taking advantage of you and you because in the church, there are different kinds of people, right? There are different, different kinds of people. There are people who understand the faith. Well. There are people who disguise to be believers and they are not like, they are not actual believers. They're just there to take advantage of the church and believers themselves, right? But especially when when that is not clear, you would choose rather to err on the side of choose rather to err on the side of protecting the reputation of Christ than getting revenge for yourself. I hope you are following what I'm saying. Kuna said to be honest, this topic is a difficult topic. Yeah, it, it is because even with the topics. I know it is hard. <laughs> you probably can tell from my voice from the way I'm saying it, that this is what the Bible says. So let's just let's just take that that. But it's difficult. It, it can be difficult to implement sometimes. And it might be difficult again, but just let me just remind us that we have the Holy Spirit in us to help us, you know, do these things. By ourselves, we can't do it. By ourselves, we by just our own like human nature. We can't live like this. We can't live according to this standard, right? But we have the Holy Spirit inside us to help us. And I'm just saying this to encourage someone. Someone probably needs to hear this on this call right now that you might be going through a, a you might be going through something that is very painful right now. I don't even know who did that. Maybe it's not a church member, maybe it's your family member or someone really hurt you and you, you feel this, you feel you feel wrong, you feel cheated, and you wish you can. You know, take revenge and you know retaliate, but you know that as a child of God, you shouldn't retaliate. You should, you should, you shouldn't retaliate, right? You should just let things be. So trust God to help you. I pray for strength for you to. I pray for strength for you to, you know, go to to endure whatever endure whatever pain that you might be feeling right now. And I trust that God is going to come through for you. So. Whatever it is that you feel like you might have lost, trust me, you are going to get it back in multiple folds, right? Just just do what the word of God says, right? Let the Holy Spirit help you do what the word of God says. Yeah, so any questions so far? Any questions so far? I don't know anything like this. Like, I figured at the beginning that we should try to make it very interactive and not just one person. 
or any contributions, even if it's not a question, if it's a contribution, you want to share your experience of something like this that, that has happened to you, right? So any contribution? Um, hi, good evening. Hi, good um, evening. Um, so I, I don't know if this is a question or um, I just want to be sure I understand, like, okay, from the word, is he now saying that issues like this, we should strictly just judge within ourselves? Because, I mean, there's some things that even some believers do that, in my opinion, deserve, like, like you should pay the consequences of your crime. Like, if you took a crime for me, I would, in my own head, like, I just feel like, it deserves to go to sleep. At least some time. Sorry? I said, do you want to give an example of such behavior? Okay, like that someone that stole money from mm. you. Also, like, and this is like maybe a, a huge or like fraud, scam due of something, mm. and then the person gets caught. So we say that we can't, like, take that kind of, like, take that kind of person to court or like, to, do you get what I mean? Like, those yeah. are serious. That's so, if, if you are to, to follow the Bible's prescriptions, first of all, if the person is a Christian and is in this kind of thing that, in fact, that is very prevalent in, in church, right? So in a situation, and the situation is usually with giving. Someone comes to you, this guy sees that, is he needs help and the person like just rips you off or you're helping this person and you realize that one day one day you realize that this person has just been taking advantage of you you know what should you do in that kind of in that um, in that scenario or the person like actually came to defraud you what should you do in that kind of scenario so there's wisdom there's wisdom to it first of all you already identify that this person is not someone that you should work with right so Mm, there's a um, there's a scripture that says when someone who claims to be a believer is acting like an unbeliever, you should distance yourself from the person. But what this particular you should distance yourself from the person, right? But what this particular um um scripture, First Corinthians six, is saying is because the name of Christ is already associated with it, there is a way to handle such matters, and one way to one way not to handle it is by taking it out of the church right so if taking it out of the church mean you have to remain cheated it's fine so in a case where someone defrauded you now if you guys are going to the same local assembly and this is why look being in a local assembly is very important it's very very important if you guys um are going to the same local assembly report it to your pastor or if you guys are maybe in the same unit, service unit in church, report it to your service leader. If your service leader does not, if your service leader does not, um, um, doesn't maybe is not in a position to take action, maybe report it to your pastor or report it to an elder in church. That's why it was saying in verse, in verse um five, it says, "Is it so that there is no not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren?" Right, so it's not saying that you shouldn't take it up at all. You can present it, but whatever discourse you'll be having, whatever back and forth you're going to be having, should be within the confines of the church. Anything that would involve you taking your matter out of the church to an unbeliever to help you settle the matter for the sake of Christ, let it be. Yeah, you've learned your lesson from it, you've learned that this person is not someone to be trusted. So um, you can't, you shouldn't um, um, associate with this person, right? Especially because the person claims to be a believer and is exhibiting behaviors no, not consistent with his profession, right? So for for that, they just let it be, let it pass, right? And but then, don't don't take it, don't let, don't take it to unbelievers. Okay, P said he wants to add something. I, I don't know if he wants to. Yeah, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, awesome. So that's a very, very good question from Oinda. And I think I think Victoria hit the nail on the head too. 
But remember, the context, just like she said, is believers versus unbelievers. And he's just trying to emphasize that God has given us so much authority as believers. The fact that we will, in the future, judge angels. Just think about that. We're going to judge angels. That's a big deal. So imagine people like us who would judge spiritual beings being judged by unbelievers. And that's just the idea. It's like if you are a member of the body of Christ, you can, by the wisdom of God, through the structure of the church, handle some of these situations. So there are some cases for sure that are just beyond. For example, if someone has done something that breaks the law of the land, specifically, not to you, that's a different case entirely. They have to face, you know, the discipline of the of the country or the nation that they belong to. So if someone, yeah. for example, was a rapist or someone was a, you know, did something that cheated the government or something in that regard, you know, and they were caught, of course, they must experience the entire, um, you know, vengeance of the law. Now, obviously, we'll show them love if they are truly believers and they did something out of out of order. We'll still love them. We'll go to prison and give them food, you know. We'll do it, but they will, they will face the consequences. But what is different here is we're dealing with in the church. So you did something against me and you are breaking the law. Before I take you to an external context, so where you can be judged by the government or judged by the unbelievers in their system, can that be handled between the, the, the two of us here in church? Because the, the context is love. The context is we will judge angels. The context is we are, we have the wisdom of God to be able to handle these things and exact church, church discipline. So I think that's the balance, you know. Um, now, there are some things that happen in the church that, you know, are very wrong. So someone does something that is a crime that is, you know, worth being, like it should be brought out in the open, but they just, you know, cover it. And that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. As much as it's possible, you're supposed to let people face the, you know, the recompense, get the recompense of reward that they deserve for what they have done, whether good or bad. Um, but remember that your first line of action is not to just, like a non-believer, just push them out and take them to court. See how you can resolve it within yourselves, right? Let me show you this text if I oh, keep quiet. Uh, it's in First Corinthians 6, where we are reading. Look at something, uh, verse, okay, look at verse, from verse 8. So, okay, wait, let's start from, let's start, uh, look at verse, verse 4. It says, okay, verse 3, I'm so sorry, we read this earlier, but look at, it says, verse 3, 1 Corinthians 6, 3. Do you not know that we are to judge angels? Like he's asking that the issue is you people are bringing up what is, Literally, trivial cases, and you are now taking it to the world to judge. Verse 2, or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? So you will not only judge angels, you will judge the world. It says, if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? So Paul is saying there are some things that should be handled better in the church with all the discipline that it, it requires before taking it to someone who doesn't believe or hold fast to the gospel. And then look at verse four. So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. So Paul is saying that there's something shameful about the fact that you have to even settle some of these disputes that are seemingly trivial outside of the church. That's the issue. He says, I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is none among you wise enough? to settle a dispute. So remember, the context is disputes between people in the body of Christ. So it's, I did something against you. Instead of me taking it to court, that can be handled in the church. All right. And the verse seven says, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. The fact that you're already even at loggerheads in the body of Christ, that's already a bad sign. And now you want to take it further, you know, and make it a big deal by taking it outside. So that's the that's the real context. But but I I would dare say if anyone does something as as sad and insane as raping someone, they they must face the the full extent of the law, because in that case now they're breaking 
not just a relational, you know, situation. It's not just a relational situation between two brothers and sisters in, in, in Christ. It is now something that the government is frowning at and everything. So hope the balance is clear there. Yes, it is. Thank you, Sam. All right. All right. Thank you. Does, any, does anyone have any other question or any other things like at contribution? Mm. So do we so um we understand like what this is saying, right? So if you in a case where so basically just to reiterate everything that P said and the what we've learned from this particular portion of scripture, in a case where you find yourself when you find yourself at loggerheads with your brother in Christ, don't before you carry it outside. Like before you carry it, in fact, even in the case of like extreme cases where um, you're breaking the law of the land, like I think I can say that even before you take it to the law to unbelievers, let it go. To, let the church know first. Let the church know. Let because there, I mean, there's standard procedure for all these things. The church is not supposed to like just cover you and say, "Oh, because you're a brother, we are not going to, we are not going to, you know." Um, we're not going to do anything to you, right? I don't, that's not what Paul is trying to say. So like, I just remembered the case of um, in, in this same First Corinthians where the guy was sleeping with his father's wife, right? Paul didn't say because he's a Christian, let's cover him up and let's not let's not do anything, right? He says excommunicate him from the church, and after so, and in in the second letter right in second corinthians when they saw that he repented already they brought him back to the church so that's that's to show you that it's not like the church is going to it's not like the church is supposed to just you know pat everybody on the head and say sorry sorry right the church is to take discipline right the church is to take discipline if the discipline will not involve you know bringing in if the the discipline the church agrees on involves bringing in the the um Involving the law of this, the involving the state, then then it's fine. But the church, the church is to the church is not to cover anybody's sin. But then, if you want to, if you have any issues with your brother, make sure, make sure you try to settle between yourselves, right? Because, like we said, this issue is most most likely trivial compared to what compared to the compared to the standard that we've been given. Um, like what verse three, verse two says, we are going to judge the world. We'll judge angels, right? So we should learn to settle disputes within ourselves. And I, I also say that, and by taking it to the court, something came to mind that P was saying that court doesn't necessarily mean you are going to court. You go to law, um, you go to um, you go to the you go to a lawyer to file a case for you. This can be in our day like something that how this can be very relatable is court of public opinion taking it to the street of social media. Right? Can you imagine someone this 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 for me? I think that one is even more prevalent. You're you are hurt by a member in church and you go on social media to talk about it. It is not right. It is. It is. This is like the exact like. I think this. If that context is more, we we can relate more to that that particular context. But okay, safe safe journey. P P says it's about body flights now. Safe journey. So um, a a particular um scenario where someone did something for you in church and your first reaction is to go and post about it on social media. It is not right. It is not. It is not child of God like. Right. If someone does something wrong to you and you feel hurt, instead of posting it on social media, if someone does something wrong to you and you feel hurt, instead of posting it on social media, talk to the person about it. Talk to your pastor about it. Right. Talk to your pastor about it and try to resolve it within yourself. So I hope we all understand. Um, before we before we um, move on, raise your hand. Is raised. You want to say something? Yes. Okay. Yes, I just want to just add that everything P and Vicky have said. Well, as as when they were talking, what came to mind is how that a lot of like Christians don't view each other. Like 
I know we say this like family and all of that, but like we have a lot of us have not come to that like reality of the fact that the next person in church or this brother or sister or this you know man or lady in going to church is my sibling. And mm. if we have more of like a sibling mindset, our approach to a lot of things will, will be different because I've thought about it. I was like, if my my brother, like my biological brother, my biological sister does some things, you know, or there's some people that you see them, the first thing they do is go to social media to complain. If their biological brother or biological sister does something, they will not go on social media to complain first, like, but also we talk about it first. Like, there's, there's going to be, okay, probably tell my mom or tell my other sister first, and then we'll tell my mom if my other sister is not able to settle it, so my dad or that figure authority yeah. in the in the household and it's so like the problem is just about us actually understanding that the next person who is a believer is your brother like is your sister like we haven't come to that reality it's more like mouth mouth something like it's not more of like oh my sister is a mouth something not like no it's not real like you don't really understand that you are we are a family in christ jesus and this is even this is this has more eternal value than like your biological family. And so how you would treat a case if it's to happen biological like with your biological family, how you should treat a case if it should happen with like your, your brother or sister in Christ. And so it, it just makes it a whole lot easier. It's not like it's easy, but it makes it a whole lot easier when you're handling you know issues or when issues arise. But you remember that okay, this person is family and I, I ought to you know follow the right procedures until it's after I've, in fact I, I, I believe that if you're in the right in the right place like in the right um um local church it would not there's definitely going to be you know um you know, just at least the authorities will definitely step in and they'll be able to resolve the matter even if it needs going to even if you need you need to eventually go to court but you would not have to to go through, you know, to to the, the social media channel, if you mm. if you go through this like this um, medium of like authority, the the structure of authority, yeah. So that's what I thought I was. I just wanted to just add. All right, thank you, Praise. That's a very important addition. Thank you. Like we need to we need to have that mindset. A lot of us just say it with by we just say it like um. We don't really mean it. We don't. We've not really, you know, understood deeply what we what we say when we say that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So for you to understand the depth of it, imagine your brother and sister in Christ as your family, your actual family member. Like compare them to your actual family member. When your family member wrongs you, your first instinct is not to go on social media to go and talk about it or when something bad happens in your family your first in- instinct is not to go on social media to talk about it yeah some people do it though but i even want to believe that even those that do it right before they there's not like immediately it happens that the first instinct they get is to go on social media to to talk about it they try to you know sit down within themselves and try to resolve it is when this person is not being adamant but not being here let me let me expose let me you know, let me let me expose you to the world. But again, like I said earlier, we are better than that. We are not just people, but we are people that have that have a re, um, regenerated spirit. We are born again Christians that have the mind of Christ, right? So even if your family, your nuclear, your earthly family members, or your earthly in your earthly relationship, you act a certain way. In Christ, you've been called to a higher standard. You've been called to act better, right? So the first instance when someone hurts you, when you experience church hurt, is not to go out in public to talk about it, right? I think, yeah, that's like the most applicable applicable context for us in our day and time. It's not to go out to social media to talk about it. It is for us to find it is for us to find solution to it within ourselves in church. So um, I don't know if I should read this the second part of this um First Corinthians six. I think we'll just read through it and then maybe talk about it before 
time runs out. Does anyone want to um, volunteer to read about it? So we're reading from verse 9. Anybody? Okay, I'm just going to I'm just going to read it. Um in I'm reading it in James version. It says, um, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. So what sodomites mean here is like people that practice different forms of um, sexual immorality, not just homosexuality, like sexual immorality generally. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the spirit of our God. And by the spirit of our God, right? So um, I want to believe that even some of these issues, right, uh, these things that um, Paul, Paul mentioned are most likely the issues that were going on in, in church um, uh, uh, some of the issues that they were facing among among themselves, right? So let's go to verse twelve. It says, "All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality." but for the Lord and Lord for the body and God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so, like I said earlier, um, First Corinthians six was written in context. It was talking originally talking to the Corinthian church, and some of these things that Paul highlighted, especially um, with um, sexual immorality, with drunkenness, covetousness, extortioners, were so, some of the issues that they were facing. That they, um, they, they were still they were still experiencing in in church, and but Paul Paul. Um, Paul reminded them, and I just wanted to see the heart of Paul here in what he did. First of all, he already addressed in the first first um part of this chapter that you should not take your issues outside. Right? If you feel like you are cheated, like it is, it is better to feel cheated than to you know take an issue that, that is supposed to be settled in church outside outside the church. And then it goes ahead to what I believe is doing here is it goes ahead to correct some of those issues that they, they are facing. It now starts correcting them. And this is the approach that we should have as, as Christians and as church in general. It is not right for you. To, it's not, just like I said, the, the solution to bad behavior is not to just say, don't do it again. Um, and then we just cover pet pet ourselves like there should be there should be action against it, right? So Paul didn't just tell the other guy to so just imagine two people now that are fighting. One person felt cheated for whatever reason. Maybe the other guy collected his wife from him. This is something that was that was very possible back then. I mean, based on the stories that we've read so far. In, in this episode, something that was possible. Maybe this second guy um, um, lured the first guy's wife to bed, and the first guy felt very felt very offended, and you know he felt really bad. And um, Paul was saying that okay, don't take this matter to the court of law, or maybe it was swindled, for example. No, don't let us use sexual immorality because that might be very painful. Let's yes, it was swindled, right? Paul did not only ask the guy that was swindled 
to you know to you know be patient and solve the issue in the church. He also reprimanded the guy who swindled him. So that's like what Paul was doing here when he, he now because he might say, oh, what's the what's the connection between what's the connection between um this this second part I read and the first part? They don't really seem like. They are talking about the same thing, but many bad actions that they were doing. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuality, sodomy, right? It says people who do those things, thieves, covetous people, draw rich the kingdom of reminded them of who they are. After reminding them, he reminded them of who they are again. That, but you were such were some of you. I mean, that was the thing, that was the nature, that was your nature before you came into Christ. It reminded them of who they, who they are again. He said, but you were washed. I'm reading verse 11, if you're wondering. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And then he goes ahead after, after reminding them of their sanctification and that, how they have been justified in God. He said, he, um, he, he talked about how things are lawful, but the the summary of his of his discussion was that you have now that you've been justified, now that you've been um you've been sanctified by God, your body is no more your own. Whatever you do, you're not just you're not, you're not just your own. He says in verse twenty. He said in verse nineteen. He said, "Or oh, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you?" whom you are from God and you are not your own. It was basically reminding them that you do not own yourself anymore. God owns you now. It says you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Therefore, in, just saying that in whatever we do, and this is like the summary of, this is the summary of today's teaching. We're going to end here. In whatever we do, right, in whatever action we take, we have to have that consciousness that we are brand ambassadors of God. Ephesians 2, um, from verse 10 or 11, it says that now we are ambassadors of God in Christ Jesus. Like, we are ambassadors of God. When people see us, they expect to see Christ's replica. They expect, whether they agree that there is a God or there is no God, and we can probably testify to it. Once you once you present yourself as a Christian, whether the other person believes there's a God or not, or believes that yeah, believes that um, Christianity is true or false, if you act in a certain way, the person will say, "Ah, but to call yourself a Christian, meaning there's that standard that you've been called to, right?" So you have to be conscious about your identity now as an ambassador of God, and you have to, you know, live as that. You have to learn to glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Right. Um so we've come to the end of today's today's um discussion. Does anyone have any questions so far? Does anyone have any questions so far or have you learned anything today? Yes, I've learned a lot today. At first, before yeah. P hit that balance, I was getting a bit confused. I was just like, uh-huh. that's uh, does it mean if Something that extreme, like I said, like somebody mm-hmm. made, I think P now even used a good example. It was like, if for instance, now somebody's a rapist, you know, we've heard of assaults, like all these cases of sexual yeah. abuse. Like, do should we, do, like, you understand? And then, buckled with what, coupled with what Praise said, and then P also addressed that. So it was clear. Because Praise was like, you know, there are some times where when these kind of things happen, church can cover it. Mm. Yes, that we're trying to uh, just like trying to get it, but like, is it that they're trying to if church covering does it mean they are following instruction that let's not put our reputation out there? Like, yeah, do you understand? I was, yeah, for somebody, and by, and by church, by church covering, by church covering, it's like it's just like what I said, it doesn't mean they, they, they don't have to like endorse it because this topic can be very, very tricky, right. It's not yes, this topic can be very, very, very tricky, especially when it comes to issues that are as sensitive as that. Yes. So it's just just like what I explained that yes, the fact that you are taking it to church doesn't mean that the issue should be taken lightly, right? Yes. It should be treated with the same severity as it will as as 
if the state is the one handling it, nobody yeah. should get away with you know taking advantage of anybody. Yeah. But again, again, as Christians, who do you go to first? Do you go to the world first or do you go to the church first? Yeah. Right. Like something is happening in marriage now. The first thing you want to do is tweet about it. Or, talk about oh, it online. Like, yeah, that's what oh. Yes, that is... True, true. I wonder, yeah. I'm even very against it because the same way you will not really bring your family issues to except something is wrong with you, of course. Like if something is happening, you, you don't just bring it and come and wash your dirty linen outside. But when it's something yeah. that happens, but you people will call family meeting in the house and you discuss this issue. That this thing doesn't make sense. Do you understand? That's true. Sure. But when it comes yeah. to church, you take it outside and people that normally should not even have say in those kind of conversations, you will give them things to talk about. Yeah. Like ah yes, yeah. I said it now. That's exactly what Paul Paul was trying to say yeah, that it is it is a very, very bad behavior. For us to give, it's like you're giving unbelievers say, you're giving them, just like you said, you're giving them out. People that are not supposed to have a say in a certain matter or a certain issue before, they now feel like they have, they now feel like they have the right to speak, right? Just because you you um, took the issue out and you, you took the issue to to them. Um, I think more asks a question. to even talk Oh, okay. Let me let me. Prince, do you want to ask a question or do you want to contribute to what you said? Oh, I want to like respond to most question. That's like just okay. Let me read. Let me read the question and then you can respond. Mo said, "What if you don't want to tell someone you are offended? Like you don't know how to tell someone you are offended, right? How do you go about it?" Okay, so Prince, you can talk about it. Let's hear your. Yeah. Okay, so okay, I, I wanted to say because I this this is me, like the question more at is something that is is very unique to me to me. I don't know mm. how to tell people that I'm offended. Like I would just so like I have like two rules basically personally. I'm like if I know because offense grows, like if you allow it, mm-hmm. if you don't say anything, you'll just be there looking at the person, be angry. The person doesn't know what is going on. You just be vexing. So I have to mm. use one is either I actually tell you because offense goes like even if I don't know how to, I'll try to look for yeah. like a, a way to just say it. If I just come to your face and just say it like that, I'll just say it like that. But the most important thing is because I know that when you when you eventually say it, you know, it's it just it clears it your you you are free. You just there's this freedom it brings to your heart, and sometimes, I many a time, you just realize that it probably was a misunderstanding, and so yeah. there is like there is a wisdom of actually just letting this person know that okay, this is what you did, not instead of just like keeping it in and just getting offended. And then the second one is if I really do not like want to, because many a times I don't even know, but like I just think of especially sometimes when I feel like telling you is going to I don't even know let, let me not go into why I don't actually see it. But I I I make it make it the point of duty that I would pray for the person and ensure that I am not living in strife. Like at that period when I'm not saying when I when I I feel I have offense, you know, over something you did. I'm just I'll just keep praying for you. And at the end of the day I I am I'm free. So mm-hmm. is it I forgive you completely? Or if I, if I know that it will not be easy forgiving you without your knowledge of the issue, I will tell you. So, like those are the things I do for myself. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. Then I, I must ensure that I forgive you. If I cannot mm. forgive you, I must ensure that I tell you. You tell you because that will help me in the forgiving process. So yeah. Okay, I think you mentioned something that that requires clarity. Say if you cannot forgive her, actually you're meant to be able to forgive everybody. But I think yeah, I understand yeah. what you're No, I'm just saying, yeah, I'm just, I'm like, I use that word if I cannot ask for, like, yeah. if it is hard, it like, the process of forgiving yeah. is definitely hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that that's a very beautiful um um contribution that um Praise gave. And just like Praise said, this is me. In fact, something similar happened to me, though this one was in the office, right, this week. So, um this week, this week and last week were very annoying period for me in the office so first of all we've been having like um strategy meetings for the coming year year in my office and 
I had to be present. We have we have different departments, different hubs in my company. And because of my role as a product manager, I had to be present because we're going to take in all their complaints, the suggestions, and then see how to, you know, properly map out our rollout for next year. And, you know, in the midst of all that meeting, attending meetings, like 8, 8.30 to, <laughs> like, to God knows when, when everybody else is chilling, although they gave us food, they, they gave us good food, but then the meetings were still long. I don't like meetings, right? Um, aside out um in the midst of all those meetings, there was this there was this task that there was this this, this particular product that we are working on, right? It's, and um is we are trying to refine the experience of our customers. And sorry, this story might be a bit long, but I want to say it so because it's a very practical example of this issue. We're trying to improve the experience of our customers in a certain way, and I already did this features the and this is and that this project is like my first main project as a product manager right i already started, did the whole um like feature engineering all the features that it will require i even went ahead to like give a very high detailed wireframe like for a pro- i'm not talking about the wireframe that you are a designer would do i'm talking about for a product manager the wireframe was very very detailed it was as good as doing a low fidelity prototype for the for the product then um the ceo approved of it everything CEO, and i gave it to the designer for three weeks we've been going back and forth back and forth and how i like to work i don't like to impose ideas on anybody my my um my what are they calling it my method to work in is okay this is what we want to do this is my suggestion what do you think about it? if you disagree? Why do you disagree? Let's reason. If your argument is um, valid, if your um, if your argument is valid, we'll go with your suggestion. You know that kind of thing. And I've shown it like I've I've. This is not like I just I just think by mouth. Issues have come up that I had to like relax my own my own um view and you know let designer just because uh, let designers take the lead because it's a designer. So after three weeks. They were not asking that Alpha, you've not really given us anything. We've been asking you to do something like, yes, we want you to design, but there's a there's a design, there's a um design format we want you to use because that's like what we have on Ghana. We don't really want to stray, we don't want to do anything outside it. And this guy, it took him a long while to do this thing. After three weeks, he has not given us anything. Like so for you know, if for imagine like in a month, three weeks, you didn't do anything, right? Like, so what have you been doing in the month? What what are they paying you for? And then at the end of the three months, at the three weeks, why don't why haven't you done anything? And I said he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand what the product is about. That was a big blow, a big slap to my face. So all the meetings that I've been having with you discussing this thing, like random, you can call me like 10 times, 20 times in a day. To ask me about this particular thing, I will ask. There is no single time that you ask me a question that I will not answer you. You now came after three weeks saying that you don't understand. It was very painful because it was not making me making it look like I didn't do my job well. I just sat down, concocted something, and then just gave it to him to design. It was really, really painful. So, in the process of all these things, so there are two scenarios here. There's the designer that really that really hurt me, and then there's my team lead. That in the process of trying to defend me, trying to, you know, trying to, you know, just make things easier for me, he also did something that I didn't like, right? So it, just, it, it, it was as if it took on the project, it, it collected the project for me and it was having meetings, like trying to discuss the project. And I felt bad because I was like, okay, I get that you're trying to, you know, resolve this issue for me and make my life easier, but at least it shouldn't, you, you should not exclude me from the discussion. At least let me bring me on board, let me know what you're talking about but knowing the way i am like when i'm angry with you you almost cannot tell like i'll be in my if you can open my mind to for us to talk and if you open my mind to see what's going on in my mind you'll be very surprised because i am lashing out at you in my mind though not one word uttered i am lashing out at you i am most likely cussing you out like very angry i'm being very angry with you you know Maybe even beating you up. So in my mind, 
but I'll not say a word out. When the person comes before me, like when I see the person like this, all the anger will just calm down. I'll still be pained, but I won't be able to talk the way I, I, I feel angry. So where am I going to? But my team leader made it look like he collected the job for me. I, I just decided to, you know, just let, I, I wouldn't say anything, right? Because it was also very angry and crank, cranky. So just to make sure that I'm not, Seen and just as I decided to you know look at things from his point of view and say okay maybe he was just trying to help me though he, he did it he didn't approach it the right the best way but I understand his motive he was trying to help me right and I just used that to forgive him and say okay let things just pass by but for the designer when the because um it was it was very my team was very very annoyed that he went to meet the HR the HR served him query and it was there was this back and forth you know between him and the designer and so the um CTO now called us and it was like what's the problem I had to like tell in my mind at that point I had to like really at that point I was not trying I was not trying to fight with him because he vexed me I just said okay this is the issue that I'm having with you I'm not vexing i'm not you know like i'm i'm angry but i'm not i'm not going to take it out on you i'm not going to hate you because of it but this is what i have this is the issue that i have with you right now and try to change and when i saw that there was there was so much back and forth back and forth back and forth i just decided to shut up and let things be so combining what press said the person that ever asked the question self has left but combining what press said and my experience i think the unnegotiable for us is that we have to forgive that one is an unnegotiable something we have to forgive if you don't feel comfortable talking to the person about it be true to yourself can i forgive this person without having to tell this person about it can i just let it go if you can't good if you can't ask the holy spirit for help the holy spirit will help. the holy spirit will be should help will help you at time and will teach you what to do about it also while not talking to the person about it might be convenient for people like us right you also look at this person like do i really like this person enough or especially if the person is again a christian bringing him back to the context of the church someone that i really care about someone that i really care about is our growth if this person is someone that i that i care uh, if this person is someone that i really care about I have to tell this person that this thing that you did is wrong. I might have to wait for the anger to subside inside me so that I don't say it. The way I say it doesn't come out bad, right? But I have to tell the person so the person can improve and the person can be better. So um, that would be my answer to that question. It was a bit long. But yeah, thank you guys for staying behind, for waiting this long. Um. Thank you guys so much. Hey there. So we've come to the end of this teaching session and we hope it was for you a teaching and an enlightening moment. We have so many other topics on our podcast that range from spiritual gifts to charisma to interpreting the Bible world and so many others. If you'd like to listen to any one of them, just look through our podcast catalog and find the topic that you'd love to learn. If you'd like to join us Sunday live on MixLR or on Zoom, all you need to do is go to our website, which is bit.ly forward slash bmglive4. That's the number four. Or you can look in the description and you'll find the link to the website there. We hope you have a blessed week and continue to grow and progress with joy in your faith.